Amen. Well, if you would, take your Bibles and open with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua, chapter 1, that's where we're going to be today. And if you happen to come in without a Bible, there should be one underneath uh, your seat or the seat in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. And uh, if you're using one of the church Bibles, I've got the page number on the screen. You can quickly join us there in Joshua chapter 1. Some of you are aware that we've been going through the book of Joshua in our daily Bible reading. If you're unaware, we, we have a day, daily Bible reading that we do as a church, reading about a chapter to uh, two chapters a day. And uh, we started working through the book of Joshua a couple of weeks ago. And in fact, today we are finishing it up. Joshua chapter 24, where that great verse is, 24, 15, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You'll be finishing it up today. Some of you have already done that. Uh, others will get to it later. And I just want to invite you, if you don't have a Bible reading plan that's working for you, something that you're, you're not regularly doing, we just invite you to read with us. Uh, every month we give you the Bible reading bookmarks in the bulletin. They're always available in the foyer. We also have them online as well. You can download them, and uh, uh, you're welcome to join us. If you are already following a plan and it's working for you, hey, by all means, stick with what you're doing. But if not, you are welcome to join us. So Joshua chapter 1 is where we'll be today. Well, before we go any further, let's one more time just ask the Lord to bless this time of study in His Word and give us ears to hear. Let's pray. Well, Father, now as we open Your Word, I pray, Father, that you would instruct us from your word, that you would teach us, that you would give us ears to hear you, Lord, and then also that you would work in us a desire, Lord, to do the things that you show us. I pray, Father, that you would remove any hindrances, you would remove anything uh, that right now would keep us from being able to hear you clearly. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be very active and, and working very very powerfully and presently here in our hearts and lives, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 1. Well, before we dive into our text today, I kind of want to give you just a little bit of background to kind of set the scene and let you know uh, where we are. Most of you are familiar with the Exodus. This is when Moses appeared. He came, came on the scene and, and he appeared to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. The children of Israel, they were slaves there in Egypt, and through a series of miraculous events, the plagues and such, the children of Israel are finally set free. And so they uh, are, leave Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, and Moses is leading them and bringing them to the promised land. It takes a little while to get there, but they're right on the edge, right on the verge of entering into the promised land and fully uh, taking possession of all that God has for them, and then there is a colossal failure. You may remember the story, Moses sends out the spies, and they're spying out the land, and, and uh, 10 of the spies go out, they come back, and the report is something like this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but basically they say, you know what, it's a great land. It's everything that we thought it would be. This is an amazing land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but here's the problem. It's too hard. We can't do it. It's too hard. There are giants in the land. There's, there's giants. They've got these weapons of war. Their cities are impregnable. They've got these walled fortresses, and it's just too hard for us. We can't do it. Ten of the spies come back with that report. There are two who say, no, 
God is with us. And they're seeing the situation through different eyes, right? They're seeing the situation through eyes of faith. And they're saying if God is with us and God is for us, then he'll go before us and he'll give us the victory. We can do this. And though they encourage the people to step out in faith, the voices of the ten spies with their, with their bad report influence the whole nation. And the people right there in that moment choose to disbelieve God. And so God says, all right, if you're not going to believe me, if you're not going to believe that I can do this, then you can't have it. You can't have it. And there at that moment, God said no, and he closed that door of opportunity for them, and they would wander for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years would pass, that generation would, would pass away, and where we pick it up today is that now Joshua is leading the people. Moses has passed from the scene. Joshua is leading the people, and they have come full circle, and they are right there again on the verge, right there on the Jordan River, ready to cross over and take possession of everything that God has for them. And so that's where we are. Join with me there in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore... Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Here we have Joshua's commissioning, Joshua's call, if you will. And the first point that I'd like us to understand, that I'd like us to think about, is that we are called according to His purpose. That is, we are called according to God's purpose. We are called to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. And for Joshua, he was there for such a time as this. You may remember that phrase from the book of Esther. Just as Esther was there for such a time as this, Joshua was on the scene for that reason, to bring the people into the fullness of what God had for them. Now, here's what I want us to see. God has that same calling and purpose for you, for us, for me. Oh, it may not be to to lead a whole nation to take possession of this literal territory, but God has something for you. You are not here in our time, in our city, in our nation. You are not here by accident. God has gone before you, and He's pulled the strings in your life, and He's arranged circumstances. He's sovereign over your life. You are here to fulfill and to do the things that God has for you to do. When all is said and done and we stand before the Lord, We aren't going to be judged according to whether we got all of the things accomplished on our list, on our bucket list or whatever. We're not going to be judged according to the, you know, I got everything done I wanted to do with my life. But instead, we'll be judged according to did we fulfill, did we we walk in the things that God had for us. So we are called according to His purpose. Now, I'd like us to think about this purpose because this is a huge thing. This purpose that Joshua is walking into is so much bigger than him. And can I just tell you very simply, sometimes God puts you in situations, and sometimes God calls you to do things that are way, way outside of your comfort zone. That's just true. God is calling you to step outside of your comfort zone. 
And there are, are instances in our lives, there are seasons where you are faced with things that are just huge. Let's consider this endeavor. Think about Joshua. This is a tough spot to be in. This is a time of transition in the nation. Moses has passed from the scene. Joshua is now in charge, but think about it. Moses was the only leader that they knew. And Moses was a great leader. He really was. They grumbled against him all the time, but Moses was a great leader. And Joshua has some big shoes to fill, right? He's got some huge shoes to fill. It's a time of transition. And you know what? Change and transition, it makes people nervous, right? Think about in a nation. When there's a change of leadership in a nation, people get a little antsy. We get a little bit nervous. Even in a company, you're, you're wondering, okay, there's a new leader coming in. How, how is this going to go? Is my job safe? What, what's going to happen here? Even our sports teams, as trivial as that is, for those of you who follow a, a, a team or whatever, when, there, when the, there's a coaching change, you get a little bit nervous. Is it going to be successful? So think about Joshua. He is stepping into some huge shoes. Will the people respond to me like they did Moses? Will they respect me? Will they listen to me? All of these things have got to be going through his mind. But it's more than that, guys. Let's think about this a moment. The Bible tells us in a later chapter that during this time of year, the Jordan River is in a flood state. Okay, so the, the Jordan River, it's right now, it's difficult to cross a Jordan. He's got about 2 million people. That's what scholars tell us. There's probably in the neighborhood 2, two million men, women, children, their livestock, all of their animals, all of this. And, and, and I can just picture him. Try to put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Here's Joshua, and he's looking out over this, this camp that just spreads for miles. All of these people, and all of, of those people, all of that responsibility, all of that weight has just been laid on his shoulders. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Where it's like I, you are now responsible for the well-being of all of these people around you? Not just your kids, not just your family, but the well-being of others. This is a difficult situation for Joshua. This is a tough deal. He's feeling a huge weight of responsibility. So I want you to notice what God does, how God meets him in this. There are four occasions in this chapter. I love this chapter because this chapter is filled with promises and encouragement for us, for Joshua, but for us as well. Four times God is going to meet him and say, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Notice them with me very quickly. Look with me in verse 6. It starts off there. Be strong and of good courage. And skip down a verse to verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. And now go over to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. And then finally, go all the way to the end of the chapter. We're not going to cover this uh, in detail this morning, but I'd like you to see it. Last part of verse 18. Only be strong and of good courage. Why? Why does God mention this four times? We already know that Joshua is a man of faith. We know that he's a faithful servant of the Lord. We know that he's brave and that he entered into battles and, and that he fought the Lord's battles and so why would he be encouraging this individual? 
guys, he's a human being. He's human. We have this tendency. We do this. We have this tendency that we look at our heroes of the faith, whether they're heroes in the Bible or just our mentors or people that we look up to, and sometimes we forget they're human. They have the same weaknesses, the, the, the same fears, the same anxieties that, that, that I'm subject to. They are subject to the same things. So even though Joshua is a great man of faith, and even though he's going to turn out to be an amazing leader, and God is going to use him in amazing ways, can I just tell you, I think he's a little bit scared right now. I think he's a little bit fearful right now. I think he's feeling anxiety right now. And I'm glad for that. <laughs> that may be a weird thing to say, but I'm thankful for that. Because that's how I feel sometimes. And no doubt, that's how many of, of us feel a lot of the time. Maybe you're dealing with something right now and you are stressed out. Maybe something's going on and you don't know how, you don't know how it's going to go and you are absolutely terrified and fearful. And I want to tell you something. God can meet us in these situations and that's exactly what he does. God doesn't scold him and send him off. No, he meets him in his weakness to encourage him to step forward in the strength of the Lord. God is not afraid of our fear. And we ought to, just to be honest with Him, and when you are stressed out, when you are afraid, you can come to the Lord and just, just pour it out. Lord, I, I don't even know why, but I am just, I'm having a bad day today, and I'm stressed out, and I'm fearful, and I'm scared, and God will meet you. It, this is a normal human result, but God doesn't leave Him there, and He doesn't leave us there. And so He gives Him word after word of encouragement through this chapter. So look with me now at verse 3. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And again, I like that. This shall be your territory. Not maybe, but it shall be your territory. And so understand what's happening here as we kind of look at our, our second point here. There they are on the, on the edge of the land, and God just tells them, here's the borders. From signpost to signpost, so to speak. All of this, as far as your eye can see, I am giving that to you. That is yours. It's yours. But there's a catch. Notice with me again verse 3. He says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you. So what's God saying? What's God telling Joshua? He's letting him know that this whole land, it is available for the taking, but you are going to have to take it. You're going to have to go and you're going to have to walk it out. And that's my second point for us today, is that we need to walk it out. We actually need to go and do the work. We need to actually go and take possession of it. It's not enough just to stand there on the side of the river and look, look across and, and think, oh, yeah, there it is. That's, that's all mine. No, we're going to have to walk it out. And I like the way he just says it. Everywhere where the sole the soul of your foot touches, I'll give it to you. And so the picture is for us that it's going to be a walk. It's going to be a daily walk. It's going to be little by little. It's going to be step by step. That's what the Christian life looks like for us. So let's think about that a moment. What is God giving us? 
Are we dealing with an actual piece of land? Is that what we're talking about today? Is it a literal promised land that we're, we're seeking to come into? No. Instead, it's, this is a spiritual picture for us. For, for Joshua, it was literal. For us, it's a spiritual picture. What this represents for us is leaving that time of wilderness, leaving that time of, of wandering. Guys, have you been there? Have you been there? Have you been in that season of just dryness? Just wandering through the desert, you know, aimlessly, just kind of walking around in circles, taking another lap around Mount Sinai, you know. Here you are, and, and your life is just kind of going in circles. And now there is this opportunity to cross over into the fullness of what God has. So what the promised land represents for us, it's the abundant life. It's the Spirit-filled life. It's the full life. It's been called all kinds of, of different things. It's been called the victorious Christian life. I don't, I don't care what you call it. That's not important. It's, it, the name is not important, but the reality is, do you have that? Are you walking in the fullness of what God has for you? Or would you say, no, I'm still, I'm still on the other side of the Jordan, and it's still really dry over here. It's still desert. No, God wants to bring us in to this fullness God wants us to, to embrace and take hold of this. Let me give you this verse here in Philippians that kind of illustrates it for us a little bit better. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Paul tells the Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Now, sometimes this verse is incorrectly taught. Sometimes this verse is taught that you are working for your salvation that you have to earn your salvation. Well, if you, uh, if you read the Scriptures, we know that our salvation is a free gift, that it's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, right? So he's not telling us to work for our sa salvation, but what he's telling us is that because we have this amazing salvation in Christ, that that salvation should work, that it should work itself out, that we should be moving from, from immaturity to maturity, that, that we should, should be growing. The theological term for this is sanctification. Now, without getting bogged down in, in theological terms, let's, let's just think about the reality. Are you growing? Are you taking those daily steps? Are you making progress into that land? Are you taking it day by day as the sole of your foot claiming new territory every day? That's the idea. That's the picture. The idea is that we are working it out, that we're striving, that there's, there's a, a diligence here, there's an energy here, there's a, uh, a chasing hard after the things that God has for us, a willingness to stretch out and to sacrifice and, and to take hold of everything that God wants. Now, it might be a ministry. There, there's a thousand applications. It might be a ministry that maybe God has put something before you given you a, a desire. He's, he's working in you to will and to do. He's given you a desire. And now it's a matter of you just walking it out and, and beginning to, to take steps towards that. It might be dealing with sin. If we understand correctly, this promised land, it was filled with these giants, right? It was filled with these, the enemies of God, and they had to be driven out. And so perhaps there are things in our lives that we need to we need to drive them out, right? Different things that, that uh, aren't becoming 
for a believer and that are holding us back and holding us down. So here's the tragedy. The tragedy is that any one of us would stand there and, and, and see, kind of like those ten spies, and say, wow, it really is good. It really is good. I mean, God really is good, and God really does have good things for me. But what a tragedy it would be just to stand there and, and never step forward, never step out, never begin to take hold of the things that God has for you. And I just want to say, I, I don't want that to be any of us. I don't want any of us to fall short. I don't want any of us just to, to sit there idle or paralyzed by fear or any other thing. And so God is enabling us and He's calling us to take those steps of faith, right? Take those steps of faith and He's going to give us all of that land. It's, it's there in front of us. All the promises of God that we'd walk in victory. Well, that brings me to my third point, and that is that if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Notice with me there verse 5. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a huge, just huge promise right there. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Again, he tells them very, just very, very plainly, nobody is going to be able to stand against you. Nobody's going to be able to stand against you. I'm going before you. I'm with you. Just like I was with Moses, all of those anxieties you've got, all of those fears that you have, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to go with you. And nobody, nobody is going to be able to stand against you. I think of what it tells us there in Romans chapter 8, 31, where Paul just says, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Guys, that is absolutely true. If God is for us, who could ever stand against God? If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and, and God is just letting him know the land, it is open before you. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But that opportunity is certainly there. Now, I do want to deal with something here just very quickly. This morning we sang a song that is taken from that verse. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? We sang that, the first song that we, we sang this morning. Sometimes, sometimes we can sing that with almost an arrogance. And I just want to guard, say let's guard against that. Because there's nothing special about us. And sometimes we can make it about us and we can, you know, kind of rouse ourselves up and think, you know, we're this mighty moving force and we're just taking the land and nobody can stand against us and we're, we're just taking it, uh, taking it back and just remember, it's not about us. Just remember that it's not our strength or our power that's doing anything, that's accomplishing anything. It reminds me of what Jesus said in John chapter 15 when he's teaching us about the vine and the branches and abiding in the vine. Do you remember the passage? Jesus very plainly said, if you cut off from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from the Lord, 
there's no power there. We don't really bring anything to the equation, right? It's not that we're this mighty moving force through the land. No, he's mighty. And, and if he's going before us, then no one can stand against us. But the idea is that it's not us. And, and so, again, we think about this, and instead of kind of having that, uh, that arrogance or something, instead it ought to be humility. Boldness, yes, but humility at the same moment. So, again, just a thought there. What we're going to see in Joshua, if you've read through it, what, what you see is that there is a lot of warfare. There's a lot of battles, right? And so it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not going to be a walk in the park. You are going to be resisted just as Joshua and the people of Israel were resisted. It's not going to be easy. And therefore, we've got to rely upon Him. We've got to so depend upon the Lord. And I want to just relay this to us because sometimes we get the feeling that, you know what, if I step out, if I step out in faith and I cross the river, so to speak, and I step into the things that God has, maybe it's a new ministry, and then all of a sudden you encounter resistance. And you're like, wait a second, I, I was not expecting this. And all of a sudden you're discouraged and you're burned out and you're tired and, and you're feeling attacked and you're wondering, this is not what I expected. And I just want to say, no, expect it. Understand that if you are going to serve God and you're going to step out, the enemy is going to resist you. It's going to happen. It just is. It just is. And, and that's not going to change. He is going to be relentless in his attacks against us. And therefore, we need to lean on these promises. We need to lean on these promises. If he's for us, if he's going before us, then who could stand against us. He gives us the ability to overcome and to walk in victory. One last little thing there I want to point out before we move on in verse 6. He says, be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And just that little phrase there, you shall. In one sense, it's a command. God is telling him, this is, this is what you're going to do. You shall do this. But I also just like it as a statement of completion or, or a statement of it's going to happen. You shall. It's, it's going to happen. God is going to give you the victory here. And again, in Joshua's case, that had to be reassuring to know that God was going to enable him to complete the task at hand. All right, join with me there now in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Here's the fourth point, the fourth thing that I want to give you today, and that is that the key to success is obeying God's Word. Or to say it differently, obedience to God's Word is the key to success. 
The Word of God is absolutely central to our lives, absolutely uh, needed and imperative for us to live the victorious Christian life. And if you're going to be an overcoming Christian, the Word of God will have to be essential in your life. It's just the way it is. Now, in in Joshua's case here, you may notice the book of the law, he's referring it to the law. They didn't have the full Bible, did they? I mean, Moses had been had begun writing as the Holy Spirit moved upon him as he was inspired to write the Scriptures. So they have the beginnings of it, but it's not like Joshua has a whole Bible in his hand. But today, guys, we are blessed with so much more. You have the whole counsel of God sitting in your lap right now, the full counsel. It's there. It's yours. And he gives us a practical instruction. We are to be a people of the Word. And and notice what he says there. In verse 8, you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. The idea is that we are people who are familiar with it, who are in it day by day. And I just want to encourage you. No condemnation here. But if you're not reading the Bible, begin to cultivate a Bible reading habit and be one that that is in the Word of God. He says that that's the only way that you're going to be prosperous and that you will have good success. And he tells them there that it's going to require strength. You're going to have to be strong and courageous to live this out. Why is that? Because our culture is moving more and more away from this every day. I think that you sense that. I certainly sense that. Maybe some of you, uh, this will, will make sense more than others of you, but it seems like only, it didn't, doesn't seem that long ago that even unbelievers, even people who weren't followers of Jesus, still had kind of a a respect for for the Word or the Bible. There was still something that they recognized that it was set apart to to some degree. Even if they didn't believe, there was a respect there. And guys, that's changing so rapidly. The world is just, the culture is moving away from that so quickly. In fact, Pastor Jim shared a story with me just uh, about a month ago, I guess. He had uh, posted a a Bible verse, I believe it was on Facebook. He posted a Bible verse on on Facebook. No commentary with it, no explanation with it, no additional words with it, just a Bible verse. And they took it down. They took it down, they deleted his post, sent him an email saying that your post is outside the the guidelines or whatever of our community. I, I, I don't know exactly what it said, but, but it wasn't in line with what they were allowing to be presented. Something about that Bible verse triggered something in Facebook's algorithm, and, and down it went. Guys, it's going to get harder and harder. It's going to get harder and harder. If we're going to serve the Lord, if we're going to be obedient to His Word, if we're going to hold fast to the things that He teaches us, we're going to have to be strong and courageous. We're going to have to rely more and more and more on his strength because it's only going to get more difficult. Your success in the Christian life, your spiritual success hinges on this. It hinges on you being obedient to the Lord. And we know this. We know this is true. We can look back and see historically how this played out. And so we're, we're talking about the children of Israel. They're taking the land. They're coming into the land. And in fact, it does get divided. Each tribe gets their share, gets their inheritance But guess what happens? They dismiss the warning not to turn to the right or to the left. They dismiss it, and instead they turn to rebellion and idolatry and and just a blatant disregard for God's law. They, They walk in disobedience to the Lord. And what happens? Guys, they they end up being severely disciplined. 
If you understand the history of Israel, you know that the kingdom would be divided. And, and there in the, in the northern ten tribes, we have the Assyrian Empire. They come, they come against it. They take the, uh, the northern kingdom captive. They lost it. They lose the land. You might think that the remnant in the south, Judah, that they would take note of this, but they continue in their sin. They continue in their idolatry, turning to the right hand and to the left. And guess what happens? God allows the Babylonians to come. Nebuchadnezzar, he comes, he lays a siege around Jerusalem, takes them captive, and they lose it. They lose it. This incredible possession, this incredible land, they lose it. From a spiritual perspective, guys, that's what happens to us. When we don't walk in obedience, we lose that fullness. We lose that abundant life. And guess where we go? Back to the desert. It's no fun. We go back to the desert. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for, for myself. Definitely don't want that for my children. Now, God is good. God is good, and, and in His infinite mercy and grace, He brings them back into the land, and even now the, they're back in the land, and, and I believe fully that God has great things for the nation of Israel. I believe He's going to do a great work in them, but the point is simply this. For that season, for that time, they, they lost it. I mean, they, they lost their inheritance in the Lord. And I don't want that for any of us. So let's hold fast to the Word of God, walking in obedience. It's not enough just to hear it, not enough just to have it, to have a copy of it. You all know the passage in James, not to be hearers only, but doers of the Word. And so let's ask God to help us grow in that. Well, I've got one more point. Look with me at verse 9. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The last point is, is that He has given us the promise of His presence. And this is the best part. This is the best part. He's given us the promise of of His presence. If we got the promised land, if we got the, the land, if we got the inheritance, if we got the blessings of God, but we didn't have His presence, then the blessings really aren't, aren't so great. What makes it rich, what makes it worth living is that God is with us, that God is with us. And that's what I want us to think about as we, as we move to a close here in a few moments, that God is with us. Notice again, what it says at the end of verse 5. Look up there with me at verse 5. Middle of the verse, it says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Guys, that is a huge promise. That God is telling us, I am going to be faithful in your life. I am not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. And when it gets really hard, when it gets really difficult, I'm going to be with you. That's the promise that He is giving us, and that's what we need to take hold of. I think how the New Testament gives us that same verse or that same thought in Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews kind of gives us a New Testament sense of that. He says, for He Himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what can man do to me? And I love how this says it. Just that opening phrase there, 
for he himself has said. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Receive this from him as if he himself, he himself is speaking to you directly. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not just me relaying a message. It's not a friend just saying, you know, hey, I hear God's faithful. You know, it's not that we're just relaying a message or that you're hearing it somewhere. No, it's that God is saying it to you directly, that he is speaking to you directly and personally. I will never leave you or forsake you. If you are a believer today, if you know Jesus, if his Holy Spirit is in your heart, he will never leave you or forsake you. Guys, that is huge, and it changes everything. Now, I realize we don't see him with our physical eyes, and that's, that's, that's the hard thing, right? We can't reach out and, and, and touch him with our physical hands. We don't sense him in that, in that way. But let me tell you something. It is still true. It is still true. God is with his people. And I love it how it says it in the book of Revelation. If you look in the early chapters of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, where he's writing the letters to the seven churches, and he says, I walk amongst the lampstands. Do you understand what that means? That means that right now he's walking among us. That right now, though we don't see him with our physical eyes, that he's here with us. That right now God is here. Jesus is walking amongst his people. He is with us. He's with us in our hearts. His Holy Spirit dwells in us. He's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. But he's also here among us today. And that's what makes the meeting of the church, the, the coming together of the church, unlike any other congregation. We're not just some civic group. We're not gathered in, just in a stadium to watch a, a sporting event. But in our midst today, He is with us. He is present with us. And if we really think about it, 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 it kind of gives us a sense of awe, kind of a sense of, of reverent fear and worshipful fear. Do you realize that if you understood that God was with you and that He never left you, He never forsook you, that would give you victory over sin? If you're struggling with sin, understand that He is with you. And just knowing that, knowing that he is present with you is going to give you power and victory over temptation. Amen. He is with us here today. And because he is with us, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what God has before you, some monumental task. He's, maybe he's put you in situations that are so far outside of your abilities and, and just so far outside your comfort zone. But he has given you the ability to do them because he is with you. So let's think about this for a moment. This is a silly illustration. Maybe it'll work for some of you. The fair has been in town, right? The fair was in town this last week. Who all went to the fair? Okay. <laughs> One of you went to the fair. All right. <laughs> I must just be getting old, okay? And you can say, yes, Pastor Phil, you're getting old. That, that's what it is. But, but these fair rides, does anybody here ride those things, actually get on those things? You actually trust your life into the hands of those, those crazy fair rides. Think about this for a moment. I, I, don't, I don't, you know, the, the zipper, the hammer, the avalanche, you know, all the, those are, I don't think I want anything to do with that. Those are crazy names. You know, I don't, I don't think I want to have anything to do with that. And yet people are standing in line for half an hour to get on them. I mean, it's just kind of a crazy thing, but uh, it, it's not really my thing, okay? 
you know, these, those rides, they're crazy. They're whipping you back and forth and throwing your neck out of joint and whatever, and they're turning you around and upside down and all of that kind of stuff, and it, it's, just not, it's just not my thing. But I think about how so often that's kind of representative of life, is it not? I mean, there are instances in our lives that completely turn us upside down. You know people, or maybe you are one here right now. Your life has been turned upside down. I mean, literally just turned upside down. Here's the thing. If he is with us, if he is with us, we can endure those moments. We can endure those seasons. That doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. It's kind of like me on, on one of those rides. You know what? If I know that Jesus, if I know that my Lord is sitting right there in the, in the seat next to me with the, you know, the little lap thing that comes down, if I know that he's there with me, you know what? I can ride that thing out. I can endure. I can ride that. I'm not going to like it, but I can ride that thing out. And so it is in our lives. The same, the same is true for, for us in our lives. When we get flipped upside down, if he is with you, you can ride it out. It may not be fun. It may not be enjoyable, but he can sustain you. He can carry you. He can bring you along, and he can bring you through that season, whether it's just a few moments like a ride, whether it's a few days or weeks or months, or, or even if it's a whole life. Think about that. If he is with us, if he is with you, you can make it through it. You can endure. He's bringing us home, right? He is bringing us home. And even if the worst case scenario happens, even if the worst occurs, if he's with us, in the scheme of eternity, right? In the scheme of eternity, from, the, from an eternal perspective, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Think about these verses here. We'll close with some of these verses here in Romans. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. In other words, he looked at all of these really intense things and he says, can these things separate us from his love and from his presence? He goes on, he says, no, I mean, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. We can go through those things as conquerors, victorious. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he goes on, for I am persuaded. I love that. I'm convinced, he says. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. He goes on, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. None of those things can separate us from his presence or his love in our lives. And th that is the hope that we have. I just, I, I just hope that you can, you can hear that, that you can believe that, that even if the worst happens, he still has you. He still has you. You're going to get through it. He's going to bring you through it because he loves you. Amen? Let's close there. I'm going to pray for us and, and just ask that the Lord would, would uh, encourage us today.
I want us to leave this place encouraged, just strengthened, strong and courageous, knowing He is with us, right? He's with us, and we can ride it out. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start us in prayer. Then I'm going to give you just a quick moment just to reflect, and, and if there's anything you need to write down or anything just to kind of cement in your thoughts and minds, give you just a quick moment to, to do that, and then we'll continue. Before I do that, I just want to say, if there's anybody here who doesn't know the Lord, I just want to invite you today to stop resisting and just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender your heart to Him even right now during this quiet moment. I'm going to be up here up front after uh, the service. I'd love to visit with you. I'd love to pray with you more. But right now, you can ask Him to come into your life and you can know that, that peace, that confidence, His presence, the promise of His presence in your life. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word and I thank you for your promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us. That's an amazing truth. I don't believe it enough, Lord. And there are moments of doubt that I experience and I'm sure that many here experience. Like, are you really with me? Are you, are you really present with me during this time? Are you really here? Lord, help us to believe you. Help us to take you at your word. Lord, make us strong and courageous. Take a moment, guys. for this people and I just ask God that you would bring them into the fullness of what you have. That no one here would fall short. There wouldn't be anyone on the other side of the Jordan just kind of looking across and, and thinking, wow, that it really could be good but I just, I can't do it. It's too hard. I pray, Father, you would help us with our fears and our anxieties. That you would meet us in those moments of weakness. You would encourage us by your love and, and your promises your word, and Lord, that they would be a firm foundation to us, that they would be that strong support for us, that solid ground that we would depend upon you, Lord. So help us, Lord, as we leave this place now, go before us, guard and keep us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.